Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. We're excited to have you with us today. We are going to be talking about the deeply feeling therapist. And what we mean by that is all the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. When you deeply feel frustration, we deeply feel compassion, deeply feel sadness. Mm -hmm. Um, We're wanting to talk more about the therapist process today versus clients. So we'll do a lot more focusing on us and examples. Yeah. But we have some announcements first. I'm so disoriented. I'm in a different seat today. (laughs) We are. We did switch seats. So we're, I'm sitting on the couch and Abby's sitting in the chair because I am currently pregnant. We're in our third trimester. We have a whole therapist baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we're excited for that. And my back is just killing me. Mm. Um, So I'm trying to have good posture and sit in good places. And the chairs that I have in my therapy office is not a good chair, even when you're not pregnant. This is true. <laughs> now sitting in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, which you're happy to get this little like donut thing I I've purchased. Uncomfortable with that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do love that thing. I actually, my partner and I, we just went to London and Egypt and we traveled the entire way with that thing Amazing. on the airplanes. And I don't know if any of you can imagine, like, I think generally older people use these things right um for like their sciatic nerve and (laughs) it's been great i've loved it and we're actually going to do um a trip next weekend well the time this comes out oh maybe but uh labor day weekend we're going to be going to durango oh my god yeah and i'll bring that with me in the car should have a name for this pillow. Yeah, trusty companion. <laughs> the last several months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what that means for the podcast is we'll have um, just a couple more episodes and then we'll take a break. Um, at least Abby and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but Abby is hopefully going to still be recording. Yeah, I'm hoping um, and so excited to interview our dear friend, Marshall Lyles, and do a few episodes of good conversation with him. Um, we will take a break around our normal time, like November, December. We'll take some time off for the holidays. Um, and then you can stay tuned for announcements of when conversations with him will come out in the maybe end of winter, yeah. early spring. Yeah. If you've been with us the last few years, we just kind of roll with it, too. <laughs> I don't know if we give specific dates on most things. Yeah. Or if we have, they usually end up being different. This is true. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like we just kind of change our mind and 
model flexibility. I do have a specific date um, for this consultation group. I'm Oh, here we go. I'm so excited to start um, the whole therapist consultation group that will just meet monthly on the third Thursday of the month, beginning October 19th. Um, so stay tuned on social media. We'll put something on the website too. Um, in the show notes, you can see how to reach out to us on the email. Um, the spaces are limited. My hope is to keep that reasonably small and it's an open group. So there's no commitment involved necessarily. Um, but my, I'm hoping to cap it at like eight people. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times I've seen folks, um, they'll reach out to us just through our website, says contact us. Yep. And then somehow, you know, we get the email through that. Yeah. So um, know that h- however it is that you contact us through the website or email, you will get, you'll get an automated response saying that we don't monitor the email. But especially with this um, consultation gr- group coming up, we've already had some folks reach out. And so we'll make yeah. sure that we... Um, get back to you and Abby will be in contact with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to gather and embody some of the things that we talk about on here in real time. I find I love the podcast and I also really crave like togetherness in real time. Yeah, I think that sometimes we talk about on here like, well, if we were in person, we'd just be quiet and sit with this. (laughs) And so you'll get to. Yes. Yeah. We'll do some art and some sharing. And do we have more announcements? No. No, but we could we could just quickly talk about the bear and the mouse. Okay, we've had some wildlife encounters. Um, there are no more wolves by the office, so that's a good that's the good news. So yeah, at this well, there's point, there's never a wolf. Actually, <laughs> okay. there's no more coyote <laughs> around here. Um, I just went on like a solo camping backpacking trip, which was really. Which sounds far more empowering than it felt while I was doing it. Mm. Um, I feel really good about it now in the Pacific Northwest. And I did encounter, I didn't encounter a bear. We shared a beach. <laughs> we shared <laughs> what the is shore. The difference? We, <laughs> well, there wasn't like a, we didn't interact with one another, but okay. I certainly smelled him and oh. saw him digging at the beach. Like, what is he at night. At at night. I've been at so night. scared. And it was frightening. Yeah, that was no cell service. No. Yeah. I think I just had these ideas like I'm going to into the wild myself and something happened for sure. I got my butt up so early that next day and ran out of there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it the same night that the mouse was in the tent? It was. There was oh. a mouse in my the teeniest little mouse and I threw a tantrum that would rival my four-year-old. Like I just freaked out that night. It was like the third night of camping by myself. And it was the only night I camped on the beach. I was in the rainforest the other nights and I am just not familiar with the sounds of the ocean. Mm. And uh, this little mouse got into my tent and I could hear him scratching around. And I was so upset. (laughs) And it's funny because I let myself have a huge tantrum in my tent and then I could take a breath and then I started to kind of talk to her like, okay, I need for you to leave. (laughs) And it was funny because then she did emerge and I could just kind of like, I'm using my hands, like sweeping something out, just like get her out. But it wasn't until I calmed down that she emerged and then. I do think it was a collaborative decision. Like she did not want to be in there with me throwing a fit. Yeah. So it was too much on one day. That is really true. (laughs) I feel like we might be able to weave this mouse thing in with the metaphor around the deeply feeling therapist. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) 
I think we're going to be able to use that. So just oh be prepared. God. We'll keep talking about this mouse. What about the snake in my house on the second day of school? Yeah. That was a horrible day. <laughs> like, it's just too much. You can just trust. It's been, there's been some metaphors in, in fauna. Yeah. And I don't know if you're anything like Abby or I, I think that we're on the same page. Like I just animals that are um, not domesticated <laughs> animals and like creepy crawly things. I just have no tolerance for. I mean, just stay outside. I mean, I want to believe I respect and honor all living things and also like in their own. I don't want a bull snake in my house. My four year old brought him in. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> Happy first day of school. <sighs> yeah. And I really did just leave my body and we left the house. I don't think I told you the story. So the snake is in my house. I just Wait, went still? To, no. Oh. But like I went to, they found a baby. Fine. I'll tell this really fast story. So they found a baby snake in the front yard. My daughter starts singing snake songs. She's like, mommy, this is such a good sign. And she's singing and dancing around the snake. <laughs> Lovely. And I'm like, I make sure it's just a bull snake. He's harmless. I just have to go to the bathroom. So I go upstairs to pee. And then I hear a maniacal laughing downstairs truly two minutes into just closing the door and Noah brought in the snake on a stick and the snake is in the living room and I'm I'm like where is the snake and we they can't find the snake and so I completely dissociated and we went to family yoga like I left the house I was like I can't be here right now we came back and my cat found the snake and so that was that's how that happened how did you I mean I wouldn't have even known I would have had to like take a picture on like Google and or ask on social media like what kind of snake is this am I gonna lie am I gonna live well we had looked at her for a while no I wouldn't have grass. yeah oh we knew it was outside outside yes I didn't even see her inside (laughs) I was just like snakes don't belong in the house like the things I don't want to say on the second day of school yeah anyway well, lots of changes, lots of transitions. Yes. And a lot of deep feelings. A lot of deep feelings. And I think this topic feels really relevant because even as we were talking about what we should share with you all today, Kelly and I both experience a lot of deeply feeling like states towards consultees and clients lately and just so curious about the meaning behind what comes up in us with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that some of the things that we talked about were why is it that we might hear really hard things and seemingly feel kind of unimpacted? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other times where it's just like day to day stuff that we hear from clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me personally, like there's just this deep feeling of frustration. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and even before we started recording, like you and I were talking more specifics that we we can't talk about mm-hmm. on this podcast, but just having the five or 10 minutes to talk through the process of like, yeah, why is it that I yeah. have that reaction with this particular client or consultee, supervisee, but not with the other one? Like, what's the differences? Mm-hmm. I think if you can get into a space where you have someone you can be curious with, yeah, we have more understanding of like, why am I deeply feeling with this client? Mm-hmm. And not that that's bad. Um, we have no. to just be a, a step ahead. Yes. Um, so we really just have to be aware, like, okay, I'm really deeply feeling here. And what do I do with that? Yeah. Is there a feeling that you tend towards more than others in your work lately? I, I think frustration. 
Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if that's, I mean, there, a couple things have shifted since becoming pregnant. One, I cry a lot more than I normally do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I notice that when I'm doing, like if I'm meeting with another group of supervisors and we're talking about vulnerable things, I just find that I, I think in general, I'm just a little bit more vulnerable than I normally have been. Yeah. I don't know if that's because I don't have the ability right now to like contain as much as I have before. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, I really were kind of worked on in my own therapy of showing vulnerableness mm-hmm. to folks. And then I would say on client caseload, like frustration has shown up more. And I wonder if that's again, because my window of tolerance is a little bit less. Mm-hmm. I just... I feel like at this point, I'm just like holding so many different things that there might be something I'm perceiving that like, I, I don't know. I just find I get frustrated quicker. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? And the both and, right? Of the window being narrower and more vulnerability. Right. Which could be, right, exactly that. I mean, if I'm being more vulnerable, yeah, um, my window of tolerance potentially potentially is going to be smaller Mm -hmm. um, if I'm used to more containment. Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, I'm working with so much grief personally this last year and a half or so. And so I know that like when that, when sadness is touched on or grief that can feel bigger. And so with clients, I experience more like dorsal response than I'm used to. I think Mm -hmm. typically I'd get more like anxious or frustrated or, Um, I feel more at best curious, Mm -hmm. you know, but then I can feel more stuck. I feel deeply stuck or deeply sad. I'm I'm caught more in like sadness, I think with people than Mm. typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you say that, I think I have because, because of the frustration, I've been more direct. Yeah. Um, And in some aspects, especially because a lot of my practice is with high conflict divorce. Yep. It's been very helpful. I'm sure. Um, I don't, I think my boundaries have actually gotten tighter just because of the frustration that arises from it. Um, But I can also see that the directness sometimes can get in the way of just like being with, like I might outside of the high conflict divorce, maybe I'm working with a single adult. Um, and I know I've been, I've said something like, no, 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 here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I think sometimes that directness can also get in the way of just like sitting with it. Sure. Well, it's making me think of the blended states that Deb Dana will talk about with polyvagal mm-hmm. um, to be like well boundaryed and direct and a bit mobilized while still being in your, she'd say ventral vagal and sympathetic. Yeah. Like that's, that's like a beautiful place to be in. Yeah, I was going to say, I I guess it would be the example that's in my mind. The client also was really thankful for the directedness. And normally I wouldn't have been. Right. Um, I know. I don't know if you've ever said this. I've heard lots of different therapists say this, but like when they're tired more often than not or don't feel well, that they seem to just do better therapy. This is how I feel. Yeah. It's, It's like my whole life imploded 18 months ago. Yeah. And I've never done better work. That is strange. I, I think at some <laughs> some point you're just like, I, I think when you're outside of your example, when you're tired or don't feel well, again, you just kind of care yeah. less about your own like ego. Yeah. Not care less about others, but like your ego kind of goes out the door. And I suspect with like your life imploding. Yeah. There's like a surrendering to, it's like humbling in the best way, you know? Yeah. Or um, holding uncertainty with clients. Like, I really don't know what is going to happen next. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe that's even this piece of, um, I was just telling Abby before we started recording, I am like very type A and like, you have to get this done. This gets done. This gets done. And there's always a to-do list. I get very stressed out if it's not done. And I just don't have the capacity like to do all of those things. And I, it's the surrender of like, I really want to go out and pull all these weeds that are just driving me up the wall. And sleep is just so much more important right now. Yeah. So I I think in the therapy space, it's similar, like, gosh, I really want to try this. Mm -hmm. But if I surrender, I actually just am being with. Well, it's so embodied too, like needing sleep is far more what your body is sharing that you need Yeah, pulling weeds. And that's such a sweet metaphor for like the work of, um, I know for me, like I want to do trainings. I need to just be with like loving mentors Mm. this last little while. And that feels like a somatic knowing, like, I just know I need deep connection and consultation and good therapy and movement and ecstatic dance maybe, but not like some rigid mm-hmm. training, um, which is what I, it's like for me, my old way of like doing all the things, mm-hmm. um, even this backpacking camping thing, I had plans to do this specific route and it would have been very intense, like 40 miles in four days. Wow. And I was so pumped to do it. And then when I got there, it's like, that is not what I was meant to do. I could just feel, and the smoke had come in from the wildfires out there. And so it was just almost a mercy to be reminded, like, that's not what my body needs. That's very different to listen. Yeah. Being like less intense. I remember you and I bonded over our intensity years ago. Yes. (laughs) We did. Very self-righteous of me, at least. I remember being like almost judging the non-intensity of others. Yeah, I feel the same way. Because when I started working with a therapist I have now is around the time you and I met. And I remember telling her like, and she does somatic work. I was like, well, I'm really afraid to work with you because I'm going to slow down. Yeah. Look at us now. Right. (laughs) I'm eating Cheez-Its and in my pajamas. (laughs) But even the surrendering, I mean, back to yeah. the mouse. <sighs> it made me think of that study that Bonnie Badnock cites in the eyes chapter of Heart of Trauma. There's like the magno and the parvo cells. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which is which, and we don't have it pulled up, but yeah. And they were trying to do data work and measure it. And the guy only, the scientist was only able to measure it when he stopped trying so hard to measure it. And then all of a sudden that type of eyesight came on or I'm not speaking about this correctly you have to look at the chapter but and we've talked about it before too. I think we have yeah. yeah but like the mouse was oh I just had a fit yeah you would have been proud <laughs> I was just like livid <laughs> and uh and then yeah she came out once I relaxed hmm well, and, and I think, that, you know, there's also some privilege to being able to relax. I think as I speak yeah. to my supervisees, like I'm talking all the time about setting boundaries with clients, but then I'm also telling them like, and I know that you're trying to get your hours. Yeah. You know, with interns yes. and supervisees, I hear that they can't just be like, all right, well then don't work with me. Yeah. Um, because they really want their hours and they want the experience. They can't just like keep cutting people off. Well, and I think, um, I don't know the answer to this, but like I can, I can overvalue the I'm like, I have some kind of hierarchy in my mind around like, oh, when I can relax, that's like better than the tantrum I threw before Mm. when it's like, it's really just all a state of being like the rage that I experienced in my tent is probably fine. Yeah. That's totally needed Mm -hmm. Um, to relax is good 
too. But I think we put regulation on like a pedestal yeah, and shame around if you're not regulated. It's so inhuman. Yes. And sometimes clients need us, if not to sh- to reflect or mirror back that yeah. rage, but at minimum, like sometimes when we are deeply feeling that, it just lets us know how in tune we are. Yeah. Even the frustration that comes up, like right. I judge myself about being frustrated. Yeah. But if I really sit back, I'm like, well, this is just exactly how this client feels. That's so true. It is making me think of them. Um, should I read it? Yeah. Um, in the letters to a young poet, Rilke kept me company when I was camping and he's writing and he talks about how he's writing to this young poet who's um, experiencing heartbreak in this letter. So this whole letter was about sadness. Um, and he has, for him, he's talking about the feeling state of sadness. I guess for the purpose of our podcast, I would say any feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying if there's anything, if there's anything morbid, if there's anything like bad in your process, remember sickness is the means by which an organism frees itself of foreign matter. So one must just help it to be sick, to have the whole sickness and break out with it, for that is progress. And, and I'll read that again. He says, Remember that sickness is the means by which an organism frees itself of foreign matter. So one must just help it to be sick, to have its its whole sickness and break out with it, for that is its progress. So it can look ugly, Mm -hmm. like a tantrum, or I'm thinking about clients in our rooms, like it can look a certain way, um, or an illness, a rash can look a certain way, but that's the whole process. That's the progress is letting it have its whole process. Yes. Including ourselves as a therapist. Yes. Like what is your mouse and what is your, I don't know, the hives that need to like come out or the fever you need to have kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I've just spent some time reflecting on what clients do you find that you are deeply feeling with? And it could be your whole caseload and that's okay too. We're just noticing that. Is it certain clients? Is it one client? Is it my whole caseload? And is it one feeling that I'm deeply feeling? Um, Is there a theme in that? Just start to get curious and ask the questions around this. Thanks for being with us. 